Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 2 Samuel chapter 13 from the World English Bible. After this, Absalom the son of David had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon the son of David loved her. Amnon was so troubled that he became sick because of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and it seemed hard to Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, and Jonadab was a very subtle man. He said to him, Why, son of the king, are you so sad from day to day? Won't you tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Jonadab said to him, Lay down on your bed and pretend to be sick. When your father comes to see you, tell him, Please let my sister Tamar come and give me bread to eat, and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it, and eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and faked being sick. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat from her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was lying down. She took dough and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. She took the pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. Amnon said, Have all men leave me. Then every man went out from him. Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the room that I may eat from your hand. Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the room to Amnon, her brother. When she had brought them near to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. She answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Don't you do this folly. As for me, where would I carry my shame? And as for you, you will be as one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not listen to her voice, but being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her with exceedingly great hatred, for the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. Amnon said to her, Arise, be gone. She said to him, Not so, because this great wrong in sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. Then he called his servant who ministered to him and said, Now put this woman out for me and bolt the door after her. She had a garment of various colors on her, for the king's daughters who were virgins dressed in such robes. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her garment of various colors that was on her, and she laid her hand on her head and went her way, crying aloud as she went. 
Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon your brother been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. Absalom spoke to Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. After two full years, Absalom had sheep shearers in Baal Hazor, which is beside Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's sons. Absalom came to the king and said, See now, your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. The king said to Absalom, No, my son, let's not all go, lest we be burdensome to you. He pressed him, however he would not go, but blessed him. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. The king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom pressed him, and he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Absalom commanded his servants, saying, Mark now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I tell you, strike Amnon, then kill him. Don't be afraid, haven't I commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. The servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and every man got up on his mule and fled. While they were on the way, the news came to David, saying, Absalom has slain all the king's sons, and there is not one of them left. Then the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the earth, and all his servants stood by with their clothes torn. Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, answered, Don't let my lord suppose that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, for Amnon only is dead. For by the appointment of Absalom this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now therefore don't let my lord the king take the thing to heart, to think that all the king's sons are dead, for only Amnon is dead. But Absalom fled. The young man who kept the watch lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, many people were coming by the way of the hillside behind him. Jonadab said to the king, Behold, the king's sons are coming. It is as your servant said. As soon as he had finished speaking, behold, the king's sons came and lifted up their voice and wept. The king also and all his servants wept bitterly. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amahur, king of Geshur. David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. King David longed to go out to Absalom, for he was comforted concerning Amnon since he was dead. That is the end of chapter 13. This is a difficult chapter to read. I find myself wanting to yell at David from the sidelines. Don't you see what is going on with your family and your children? It seems evident that one of the things about having multiple wives is a decrease in communication and decrease of appropriate, healthy interactions on a truly family level. When you realize that this is all right after David's blatant adultery and murder, it makes more sense. He has been a horrible example, and even though he repented, his overall family life and treatment of women, multiple wives, concubines, devalues them. As often happens, 
with our examples to our children. They take our flaws to the consistent next level, especially if we don't lead them to Christ by both word or scripture and our own humble example. May God give us the grace to do this for their benefit. Let's review David's sons. 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3 says that Amnon is his firstborn, so he would be the expected heir to the throne, and Absalom is his third son. This is the first we hear of Absalom since the earlier record of his birth. The second son, Chiliab, is not specifically mentioned again, although obviously there were several sons invited to Absalom's murderous party. We will see in verse 20 that Absalom seems to have known of Amnon's intense desire for Tamar, and we'll talk more about that later. Tamar is also the name of Judah's daughter-in-law previously in Genesis chapter 38, the daughter-in-law whom he did not provide for as he should have after his previous sons died, and then she tricked him into getting her pregnant in Genesis 38 verses 13 through 24. And this is the only daughter of David that is mentioned by name, but we know that the king had virgin daughters who wore similar colored robes. I thought it was worth talking about what kind of love Amnon had and how it could be turned into hatred later. We're all probably familiar with the fact that there are different words for love in the New Testament, but this is Hebrew. So I looked it up in Vine's Expository Dictionary having already gotten a sense from the account that this is not pure or godly love, so I will try to summarize what I found there. The first description or definition of this Hebrew word given in Vine's Expository Dictionary is, quote, in the sense of having a strong emotional attachment to or a desire for. It can and often does refer to the love between a man and a woman, but it is also used in Leviticus 19.18, where we are told to love our neighbor as ourselves, and it is also sometimes used of the political loyalty or like the loyalty that a slave would have, a servant would have to a master. A different Hebrew word, and I'm not going to try to pronounce all these Hebrew words, you could go read the entry in Vine's Expository Dictionary, but a different Hebrew word is usually used for being specific about sexual relations and is translated as the term to know. Though in specific contexts, the word that means love that is used here in Amnon's case can infer the whole of that in the particular relationships as with Solomon's wives. So the emotion and desire that are so much a part of the Hebrew word for love here appears to be the reason why strong qualifiers are added in the English, when speaking of how God loves us, conveniently, the next entry in Vine's Expository Dictionary is the English word loving kindness, which is the translation of a completely different Hebrew word and explains how this term and others like it in English, such as steadfast love, emphasize that God's love is both generous and unfailing. Quote, it implies personal involvement and commitment in a relationship beyond the rule of law, end quote. And another small quote, it is one of God's central characteristics, end quote. So now we can better understand the use of the word love in this account. It is a strong emotion of selfish desire. In verse 3, we are introduced to Amnon's friend, and Amnon didn't choose friends well, apparently. Uh, This particular friend is a cousin, being David's nephew, the son of his brother. Uh, 
and he is apparently looking for chances to ingratiate himself with the upper ranks of the royal family. In our version, it said he was a very subtle man. In other versions, it calls him shrewd. I looked up the definition of subtle, and it can be a combination of elusive, that made me think of slippery or slimy, can also mean difficult to understand, clever or indirect, and also keen in perception or insight. This and other things that we see going on with Jonadab give us the picture that he very much knew what was going on in the king's household and was looking for opportunity to use this knowledge. So you get the impression that he already knows the answer to the question that he is asking Amnon, and he has a suggestion ready. He's a wicked man. But this kind of suggestion is what Amnon was already primed to agree to since Amnon had chosen to dwell on this desire against what his own conscience was telling him, according to verse 2. When I read verse 7 about David agreeing to send Tamar, I think, God help us to be wiser than David was here, so that we in our own self-absorbed ignorance do not subject our loved ones to the power and influence of those who would do them harm. And government schools come to mind. Then in verse 8, is there's an almost bizarre and a very painful to watch detailed scenario of Tamar tenderly caring for her brother, only to be raped. And in verse 12, we have what seems to be missing from Bathsheba's story. Tamar points out that it would greatly harm both of them. And she was still probably fairly young since she was unmarried. Tamar speaking up here just makes it all the more obvious that it seems likely Bathsheba did not protest. There is one part of what Tamar says as she appeals to Amnon that David would give Tamar to him, but hopefully he would not have because that was forbidden in the law. You can look it up in Leviticus 18.11. And then in verse 15, we find out that now Amnon hates Tamar more than he had loved her. Or you could say he was detested and repulsed by her more than he had previously desired her. Why? I think it's because she represented his sin and weakness, and he tried to remove his sense of guilt by affixing his reaction of his conscience to it by scapegoating her and remove her from the camp, so to speak. In verse 18, Tamar mourns the violent harm that is done to her very dramatically, and the picture of her despair causes the compassionate reader to really ache for her. And then we get to verse 20, where I mentioned Absalom's question to Tamar betrays him. He knew about Amnon, He could have clued in David, or he could have at least figured out how to guard Tamar. For all of Absalom's bluster and the fact that Amnon raping his sister is a legitimate reason to hate him, it really does make it seem like Tamar is more of a pawn in her brother's feud against each other. Then in verse 22, it says David is very angry, but he doesn't do anything. Then verse 23 says that two years have passed. Surely in two years, someone could have mentioned to either David or Amnon what was fomenting, especially Jonadab, who didn't even warn Amnon, who was his supposed friend. And then in verse 25, we have the agonizing irony of David actually blessing Absalom's gathering. In verse 28, Absalom is using a similar tactic to when David had Uriah killed. He's telling his servants, It's okay to follow my orders for murder. I'm in a position of authority. Then in verse 29, 
wonder how the news got to David so fast, faster than his sons who were fleeing. So there was some news going around the palace somehow. And then in verse 32, Jonadab tries to ingratiate himself with David, basically saying, see, I can tell you what's going on. You need me. But we never hear Jonadab again in the whole Bible. The only thing recorded in God's word about him is his shrewd, wicked manipulation and how he is part of the destruction of David's sons and family. Then in verses 34 to 39, David's response to Amnon's death seems shallow, but it is similar to that of when the baby died. Once the death has occurred, he moves on to life. Still, his longing for Absalom is weirdly at odds with how Absalom is and will continue to treat David. It does, however, give a picture of how God the Father longs to show his loving kindness even to those who are in rebellion and running away. However, Absalom is obviously lacking the repentant, contrite heart that David had when faced with his own sin. David knows, David offers forgiveness and reconciliation with Absalom, but Absalom only seeks independent power, much the same as many people do against God. God offers us so much more, both in an awesome relationship based on his steadfast love and in the blessings that come from living according to his holy, perfect, just principles with the help and guidance of his Holy Spirit. But when people choose to follow their own perverted desires and revel in rebellion, again, it leads to death. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 